I just wanted to welcome you to my podcast. You are listening to Life with Maka, where I talk about chronic illness, mental illness, faith, and everything in between. Everything and anything. So welcome if you're listening. I hope you enjoy. I am joined by Melanie today. Melanie, how are you? Hi, I'm doing okay. (laughs) Would you like to tell us a few things about yourself before we get stuck into the misconceptions about chronic illness? Of course. So a little bit about me. I uh, became chronically ill in 2018. And um, during that time, I was completing a master's in counselling. And uh, yeah, getting chronically ill really affected that. However, I've been able to get to the other side where now I can use my counselling skills to support other people with um, chronic illnesses and disabilities. So yeah, that's what I do with some of my time now. That's so awesome. And I think it's so important to have uh, people in the counselling field that understand chronic illness because there's not many counsellors that do experience chronic illness or have that knowledge about it and are able to best support people with chronic illness yeah yeah or counsellors who are willing to be public with their lived experience yeah yeah I agree um so we're going to talk about two misconceptions so the first one that is that um chronic illness is caused by anxiety depression and trauma what are your thoughts on this Uh, This is an interesting one. Um, We often see it kind of in the chronic illness space where people are just trying to work out why they um, become chronically ill. And sometimes the chronic illness is attributed to maybe some pre-existing anxiety or depression or trauma in their life. But in my own personal experience, um, it's often that there's an intersection of them. And personally, I don't believe that chronic illness is caused by anxiety, depression, or trauma. But people with chronic illnesses experience difficulties with their mental health, often in the context of their chronic illness. For example, um, having anxiety around their health, and that's often exacerbated by medical trauma or gaslighting. Depression symptoms can come up um, surrounding the loss and grief people experience when they um, first become chronically ill or the continued grief that we notice during chronic illness, perhaps as our illness progresses and we become um, less able to do the things we would like to do. For example, some people become housebound or bedbound. And that causes so much loss and grief, um, which can then bring up those symptoms of depression. So I think, um, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. I agree. And I mean, a lot of people that I know that are chronically ill and that I've connected with on my page, a lot of it, a lot of their chronic illnesses have been brought on from being sick with a virus that, you know, like they've pushed through Mm -hmm. and I mean that's what happened to me I got sick uh, twice in 2018 um, within a couple of months of each other and 
I pushed and pushed and pushed, didn't stop because I didn't think anything of it because, you know, you don't think yeah. that um, you're going to get permanently, well, not permanently, but like chronically ill from um, not stopping when you're sick. Um, and so, yeah, like a lot of people that I um, have interacted with and know are like have become chronically ill from having an illness. And I think like you said, it can be exasperated by, uh, well, anxiety and depression and stuff can exasperate those symptoms because it is such a huge thing to go through. Um, I feel like maybe, and like I I think you mentioning too that the trauma side of it, like, like it can be ex- definitely exasperated by trauma, um, especially medical trauma, and that can make chronic illness so much worse um but yeah I agree and um I definitely think that is a big misconception that you know you're sick because you're anxious all the time or because you're Mm. depressed um and I mean I I mean we could even add stress in there and that was Mm -hmm. one that I got on the um the question box that I put up was that it's caused by stress um Mm. And like, you know, you're going through a really stressful time in your life and your symptoms are exasperated because why would they not be exasperated when your body's not functioning how it's supposed to be functioning or how it usually is functioning chronically ill? Um, And like, I've known a lot of people that are like, oh, you're probably just really exhausted because you're stressed. And it's like, Mm. yes, it's adding to it, but it's not the cause. It's not the root cause of why I'm sick. Um, Mm. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the stress side of things? Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, because stress can be a factor, but I would agree with you and say it's not at that root cause. Often we find that our symptoms of chronic illness can, um, I guess, worsen if we're experiencing stress in our life at the same time. But I wouldn't then say, oh, well, I'm chronically ill because I was stressed at X point in time. Like you, uh, one of my chronic illnesses was caused by a virus. (laughs) And um, it's very helpful for me to remind myself that I didn't cause my chronic illness. Mm. Um, This is what happened to me in life. It wasn't um, something I did. And even like you, you were saying in your story, you pushed through, um, but you, I don't think you should blame yourself for that because society's expectations are you get sick, you know, you might take a day off, but then you push through and you keep going. So and you tend to get better most of the time. Like every other time that I'd been sick, it was a case of, you know, I recovered after a week or two, even if I did still continue on doing things, but like I got better. Um, and mm. I think, yeah, like, yeah, you only, you can only do with the information that you have then. Like now, if I get sick, I'll tend to rest and recover because I don't want to like make myself flare or make my chronic illness worse. But like back then when you're healthy, you don't think I need to slow down. No, no. And we're not like, that's not the message we get <laughs> from society or media or medical professionals generally. No, definitely not. Mm. Um, the other misconception we're going to talk about is that 
it's easy to get help for mental health with or when you have a chronic illness. Tell me a little bit why you think that that's a misconception and maybe one of your experiences or something like that. Yeah, so um, there can be so many barriers we experience uh, when we have chronic illness. Um, Some of the barriers can include like the loss of financial stability um, and we know that getting mental health support can be very expensive Um, and there's an expectation oftentimes that we actually attend the mental health support in person um, and stay for the full hour. Um, And so I know that I was was getting help um, from a therapist and one, they didn't really understand my chronic illness at all. I'm pretty sure they didn't even research it. Um, two, they expected me to come in. There wasn't like a, oh, this is really hard for you. Um, I know you've got X illness. Um, would you like to do phone appointments instead? Or even like, would you like to do, do a half hour session? I was charged. I left one session halfway through and I was charged the full rate. And for me, like, I understand, you know, psychologists and mental health have to, you know, make money somehow, but at whose expense? At the expense of someone who can hardly afford to go to therapy, um, to have a cancellation policy where, like, if you miss an appointment or you're too sick to go, you have to pay for that appointment before you can go to your next one. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you're going to miss out on the support you need. Um, and I've noticed that kind of since becoming a mental health professional, um, I don't see much training offered for therapists around like how to look at life and therapy through a chronic illness, dynamic disability perspective at all. Um, and there are some therapists out there with lived experience of chronic illness, um, but we can be discouraged as mental health practitioners not to share our lived experience or not to use our lived experience um, therapeutically, whereas personally and professionally, I found it actually to be very helpful (laughs) in Mm. my um, experience of working with people with chronic illnesses to be like, yes, I get where you're coming from because of X, Y, Z, and sharing a bit of my personal experience um, therapeutically as I see relevant. Mm. Thoughts? I agree and yeah like you said like there's not it's not made accessible in that Mm. way like you were saying with you know shorter appointments I'm very blessed that my um, therapist she um, has offered me half an hour appointments if that's what I need because she can see how exhausted I am she's offered me over the phone telehealth um, anything that makes it easier for me and I mean I've been blessed too that um, you know, that she's been always happy to research my chronic illness. But like mm-hmm. you said, that that's pretty rare. That's not, and she's not one that lives with a chronic illness, but I know that she cares enough to want to understand where I'm coming from. But yeah, like you said, there's not many that will actually do that. Um, something else that I was thinking of um, about how, yeah, like it, like the misconception is that it's easy to get help for mental health 
with a chronic illness, I was thinking that a lot of the time um, general practitioners, like when you go to see them, like so Mm. in Australia, as you'd know, like you can get mental health plans which give you a discount um, rate, pretty much like 50% off for mental health um, consultations. Mm. And I don't know about the rest of the world, but yeah, that's how it works in Australia. And I found like, if you want a mental health plan, chronic illness and the grief that comes with that isn't a good enough excuse to get a mental health plan. Mm. It's always you have to, you know, you have to do that depression test mm. and you have to mm. do the anxiety one and you have to, you know, your doctor has to be like, actually, you have depression and anxiety not recognizing it as you might need help to for the adjustment that comes with having a chronic Mm -hmm. illness um and i mean i feel like in therapy i've explored the adjustment side of living with a chronic illness more than i've explored the depression and anxiety that it like brings like that comes with chronic illness a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um so yeah i have found personally that um you know, like you can't get access to a mental health plan. You can't get access to therapy at a discounted rate if you're just going for chronic illness. Like you have to have depression or anxiety or some other mental health condition um, to get easier access to it. Like, yes, you could just go and pay the full rate. But mm. Like if the mental health care plans are there then you should be able to use them how you need them yeah so that's kind of like a systemic breakdown then because it's like what are gps required to test for in order to refer for so Mm. like because they may be just living up to like the standards set by medicare or whatever um to go well they have to have you know at least mild depression or mild anxiety or mild stress on the DAF 21 or whatever measure K10 that is used um, by the GP to make the referral. So that, yeah, that's really interesting to me. I hadn't thought about it at that GP perspective as well. So I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And like when I even go to renew my mental health plan, like it's always focused on the depression and anxiety. It's never focused on the adjustment or coping with chronic illness Mm. Mm. yeah which like for as long as we are chronically ill and and we feel that we need support mental health support we should have access to that um Mm. via you know the systems that are in place in our country uh yeah Mm. good point Mm. Anyway, I think we might wrap it up there. But thank you so much for joining me, Mel. Um, would you like to plug your Instagram quickly? And I just let everyone else know too that if you're listening, um, uh, Melanie and I have agreed that um, she'll jump back on the podcast for a full episode. Uh, so if you've loved listening to her, then look out for that. So, yeah, if you just want to plug your Instagram, I would love for you to do that. No worries. So you can find me at Melanie Folks Counseling. Um, you'll have to spell it out in the <laughs> caption because uh, folks is spelled F O U L K E S. 
Um, and currently, I'm putting together a webinar for mental health professionals to um, teach them the five things people with chronic illness uh, want them to know <laughs> when they go see them. So, uh, yeah, if you follow me along, you might want to shoot that webinar to your mental health professionals so they can get a little bit of training from someone with lived experience. Um, love working in this space and just so grateful for voices like yours, Michaela, um, that just normalise the, yeah, I guess the challenges that we go through with chronic illness. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. Second up, we are having Dee on the podcast. So how are you, Dee? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I would love you to tell me a few things about yourself, including like what chronic illnesses you have and just some fun facts about yourself. Um, so I am Dee. Um, I am 23. Um, I use she, her pronouns. Um, I have a like lived slash living experience of um, like a chronic illness, like disability and um, ill mental health. Um, the chronic illness that I guess kind of, it's like my umbrella illness is um, I have hypermobile Alhurst-Danlos syndrome. Um, and then there are a bunch of things that kind of end up falling under that um, with like, you know, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, um, like really weird um, and wacky um, things that go on in my body. But Alhurst-Danlos is like the umbrella term um, that kind of it's what causes everything else to not work um some fun facts um about me is um I love vintage stuff um brings me a lot of joy so I really like like 40s and 50s like fashion and cookbooks um and I um am really lucky to work in a space where I get to advocate for people who have lived experience of chronic illness chronic illnesses disabilities and um mental ill health so yeah Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I will say now too that Dee and I have just talked about um, her joining me for a full podcast episode later on. So you really love hearing about misconceptions from Dee and would like to hear more about her story. as Dunlough syndrome or other of the symptoms that come along with that and or are interested in knowing what's up podcast. So the first misconception that we'll talk about, you need to look sick to be sick. What is your take? Well, um, so I personally um, use um, like mobility aids um, and this is something that I find really difficult because I don't always need my aids. But when I use my aids, all of a sudden people like recognize my like chronic illness, recognize my disability. But when I don't need them, they think that like, I'm just not sick anymore. Mm. Um, and I think this is like a, like a misconception that happens across, like it crosses over so many people's um, experiences because as soon as we appear like that we can function or that we can do something or we don't need an aid or we don't need some like medication or some kind of, medical assistance or if we can literally just like sit there and have a conversation like all of a sudden like we're not sick um it really bothers me because I think it like is the cause of a lot of like ableism and um I think it's also what stops a lot of people from being able to access things like the NDIS and like um 
things like like disability payments and stuff like that because as soon as we don't look sick people can't understand like we're still sick yeah yeah I agree have you like had many personal experiences with that um yes um which I it's it is really frustrating um because I have I think that has led into like other misconceptions when people have seen me not look sick um and then made assumptions so I've um you know been kind of like harassed by like taking up like a chair on the train when there was someone who thought that they needed to sit down like more than I did and this like not to like discriminate against anyone but tends to be like older people they think that I'm just being a rude young person who doesn't need um doesn't need to sit um and they make this like yeah this idea gets into their head that like well I look fine so like I must be fine um I think it happens a lot in medical settings as soon as they know that I'm like somewhat like functioning then all of a sudden it's like my symptoms are like minimized or seen as less than because I can pretty much like still contribute to like um a capitalist society so it can't be that bad um yeah I guess that's like some of my some of the experiences that I've had yeah and I feel like too like I as you were talking I was just thinking about an experience that I had recently where like this year i starting my teaching degree like well not degree I finished my degree starting like teaching like professionally and stuff um like I've kind of disclosed being sick to more people than what I usually would just to make them aware of like how um things can be really difficult for me or accommodations that I might need in the classroom um and I was just thinking to one time when I told somebody that I was sick um and she said oh are you And, like, it kind of was like, okay, look, I don't look sick, but, like, internally I'm suffering. Like, I'm so exhausted, but that exhaustion isn't showing on my face. Um, And just because I don't look sick doesn't mean that I'm not struggling and that I'm absolutely exhausted and things like that too. And I find, too, some people will often tell me that I look well as well. I'll be like oh you're looking well and I kind of feel like like you kind of feel like you're backed into a corner where you can't actually say actually no I'm really struggling because you know you're not looking sick but you are sick and to be told that you're looking well is kind of I don't know it's really really hard to deal with for me I don't know if you've experienced that too yeah I definitely have and I think another thing that I've um kind of found really difficult is um when someone says that I'm like looking well and my symptoms are actually like really bad at that time, um, I almost feel like I've kind of done something wrong because like I um not like don't know if I'm explaining this in like the best way, but like um I feel like oh like I'm looking like well, but I don't feel well. So like how am I like masking this? Like to appear that I am well and I think when within um like a lot of like like places with uh, sorry a lot of people who are like chronically ill like we don't have the privilege of being able to just like appear unwell like all the time because we've been living like this for a really long time and like we literally have gotten to a point where we've just had to learn how to function and 
I always think that like if it was like someone who doesn't have a chronic illness who was experiencing our symptoms, like they would look really terrible, feel really terrible and like we'd all know about it. But just because it's become normal to us, we've literally had to kind of figure out a way of like how like, okay, well, I guess I can still do like A, B and C and I can still like live and function whilst feeling this way. Um, And I think that really doesn't like, although it like kind of works like for us, um, probably like for people who don't understand feeds into that misconception because they just think that it mustn't be that bad because if they were feeling the way we were feeling, they know that they would not be functioning at all. And I mean, it's like you've probably seen the post circulating that it's like if um, somebody woke up feeling how we feel on a daily basis, they'd call in sick to work and lay in bed for the day and wouldn't lift up a finger like Whereas, you know, like you said, like we've not trained ourselves to um, cope, but like we don't really have a choice. Like mm-hmm. some do have to go to work. And I mean, I'm not saying that as an umbrella thing where like I know that so many people that are listening have severe, severe chronic illnesses that do not allow them to work at all. And I 100% understand that and respect that and I my heart aches for them but people that have mild moderate chronic illnesses like myself do struggle sometimes when you know like you have to feel you have to look put together for a couple of hours of the day to get through to run errands or go to work or do things like that yeah absolutely and it's um I think really difficult as well because even when you um, when you are like actually looking unwell and you know it and people turn around and say that you're looking well and you know you're not you just kind of like why are you say that <laughs> and, yeah <laughs> happening inside um yeah like it's just such a hard concept to explain to people um even like the exhaustion like you said um with eds like a common symptom is the fatigue and like I can't explain the fatigue to somebody in good detail like I struggle to you know actually do it justice yeah and they think like that it's like oh well like do you sleep properly or like have you just had a nap like I could nap for like seven years and I'd still feel tired like a nap (laughs) is not gonna cut it the other night I slept like 10 and a half hours and I woke up and I was like I still feel the exact same as when I went to bed. <laughs> like, yeah, and sometimes I feel worse. So, uh, whereas if a healthy person slept for ten and a half hours, be able to charge through for the next twenty-four. Like, uh, it just yeah. I think um, you need to look sick to be sick is definitely a huge misconception um, that people with chronic illness experience. Absolutely. Um, you did kind of touch on this in that uh, misconception but the other misconception is too well you're too young to be sick uh walk me through that like what are your experiences with that or your ideas on that and um yeah um so I think I um like this is something that I've personally like experienced like time and time and time again um throughout my like journey um and throughout my life um and to me it just never makes sense because like well I am sick so obviously I'm not too young and if I am then I must be like defying the odds because it's happening anyway 
like just because like I think maybe like there's this like societal like idea that like young people just shouldn't be unwell and I use um a roller or walker and a um, walking stick they're like two of the aids that I do use and I think they are um kind of um stigmatized to be like for elderly people and so then when um people do see me using them they're always like oh like what happened like you're too young to need those well like no I'm not and without them I'm actually like housebound so um yeah like you know that's that like actually like not too young at all and I just like we have like children's hospitals like since when are like people too young to be sick if we have like children's hospitals that's a very very good point I had never thought of that but yeah um and I think it like it comes down to like this um like I think we're taught a lot like um in like um like education like places of like education like schools and universities and um like even in like clinical settings like people were taught that like um like you know like our aging population is like the like the majority that makes up like you know a lot of like clients and patients within like our healthcare settings and stuff like that and then so when someone doesn't fit like the build of like being like I don't know like over 50 um and you know not like functioning all of a sudden like we're too young and the only time like I feel like people can justify it is they're like well something must have happened to you in order for you to be sick then mm. they're like well if, if if it's not because like you're too young for me it's always followed by like oh well what happened to you yeah yeah like they're not just accepting it as is like yeah and then or like they're just not oh they're being judgmental I should say and I feel like the people that have said you're too young to be sick to me have always been people who are a bit older and Mm -hmm oh you'll be better soon like you're too young to be sick like you'll recover in a year like in a couple of days or weeks or months or years like um yeah yeah and I think the amount of times like I've been told that like um I was I was tube fed for like um two years and I had a lot of those comments of like oh you're too young like to be sick when like again like there are neonates who are born at like you know 20 like five weeks and they have like feeding tubes in so like there's literally like no one too young to like need a feeding tube um and then once I had my feeding tube taken out um all of a sudden everyone was like oh fantastic like you're better um which also links in with like our previous thing but this whole like you're too young to be sick and then all of a sudden as you don't look sick then you must be better and it's because you're young that your body was able to recover, even though you haven't actually recovered. But, like, they just make this correlation that because of your age, you're too young to be sick, but you're also going to get better because you're young and young people just get better, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like, we're young. We should be able to bounce back quickly and, yeah, make a full recovery. And and I think, well, I know we didn't really talk about um, this bit, but, like, the whole making a full recovery thing like there's just this assumption that yeah like you said like people think that because you had your feeding tube removed that you're all better um but like 
not the case. Like, um, and I'm like constantly telling people, like in my life, like on my social media, like for me, like there is no better, and I'm not seeking to get better. Like that's not like my expectation of anything, like ever. Like managing my symptoms better, yes, that could be possible. Having better treatment, yes, that could be possible. But actually like getting better and not being disabled or not being chronically ill is not possible like for me. So I feel like when people um, imply, like even when people say, oh, I hope you get better soon, it, I don't, like, it doesn't sit well with me because that's just not a realistic possibility for me. And that's not a realistic possibility for like most people with chronic illnesses it's why they're chronic illnesses because um you don't just get better yeah chronic means <laughs> not per- like long term like exactly uh, yeah oh like oh that's what i was gonna say too like there's this stigma i think as well that if like for example with me with myalgic encephalitis if i was to get better people think that that's the end like they don't realize that a lot of people with me actually have relapsed when they've gone through another virus or a really heavy stress part of their life like so yes you might be better i'm saying that with um in what are the terms the speech mark looking thing things um <laughs> i cannot think um, in quotations yes yeah <laughs> i think that you might be better but like you there's relapse like you can relapse like and we're not being negative by saying that we're just being realistic about what could and couldn't happen like and just you know like chronic illness is such a battle like to you kind of have to be mentally prepared at every stage to um combat it like it's just it's not a one-stop shop like there's so many things uh, to do with it yeah absolutely and I had like a really similar experience with the feeding tube um, because I had my feeding tube for gastroparesis um, and things have gotten to a stage now where I don't need the feeding tube and things are more manageable and there is no known cure for gastroparesis but people can go into remission which means that you're basically kind of just waiting until you like end up having like symptoms like that are really like extreme like again and it might not be like a super bad like you know kind of like um relapse or something but like it's just it's not linear and people expect that like it is when um most like chronic illnesses just aren't I don't think any chronic illness is linear um and yeah that idea that like oh so like you're better because like you don't have your feeding tube so you mustn't have like people expect that my feeding tube went away and so did all of the symptoms that I had like that caused me to need that which isn't true they just were manageable enough that I didn't need the feeding tube and I could eat orally and manage my symptoms with like medication and diet and stuff like that um but again, like people like also think that that happens like because I'm young and I'm just bouncing back when that's not true. That's just the way a lot of these illnesses work is that it's not a linear thing and it's often not staying at like one kind of rate. They're fluctuating. Um, and so there will be times where we might be doing better than other times. So it doesn't mean that we're like better um, overall and being better at sometimes over others does not happen because we're young and, you know, healthy and you know can bounce back it happens because that's the nature of these illnesses and how they work 
I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, we might wrap it up there if that's all right. Yes, absolutely. I would love for you to plug your Instagram quickly. I will also pop it in like the little caption bit on Spotify so that way people can see it visually. But if you'd love to plug your Instagram and maybe a little bit of what it's about and what you share, I would love that. And then, yeah, I guess I will be speaking to you hopefully in the next couple of weeks to uh, organize our next full episode together. But yeah, let me know about your Instagram handle. and Yes. I will. My um, Instagram handle is at D, so D-double-E dot Zoe, Z-O-E. And on my Instagram, it's kind of a bit of a mixed bag. I'm not like always the most regular with um, updating and sharing posts. Um, But I guess I share like some of the work that I do um, between like um, mental health, chronic illness and disability kind of like sectors. also sharing uh my love of like vintage um always so if that's your vibe definitely like head over if you're curious definitely head over um but yeah I um kind of share like a little bit of um all sorts on there um I have shared a lot about chronic illness um in the past and um like I said kind of have fallen into a bit of a weird place with social media and have only recently kind of come back to it. So I'm still getting back into the swing of things, but um, that's where I share most of um, my journey and thoughts and experiences. Perfect. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Super looking forward to chatting with you again. Yeah, definitely. Um, But, yes, if you would like to follow Dee on Instagram, I'll pop her handle in the comments, well, in the description and you can go and follow her thank you for listening to life with Macca. i really appreciate being able to connect with people this way so thank you for tuning in and i hope that you'll tune in with the next episode